0: Welcome to the Business of Design podcast. I'm Cheryl Horn, Director of Operations for Business of Design. A lot has changed at Business of Design since this episode originally aired. For the latest information and rates on events and membership at Business of Design, head to businessofdesign.com. Enjoy the show.
1: Hello, hello. Welcome to episode 174 of Business of Design. I'm Kimberly Seldon, an interior design professional, probably just like you, and I'm so glad you're here I'm just going to lead with the big story in this episode, and it's this. If you are not in control of your money, you are not in control of your life. Boom. Love it. So says our guest, Brad Klinard of High Point Financial Design. Yeah, he's got that high point right in his title. So you know he's already connected to designer types like us. I had a great conversation with Brad and of course we were only able to scratch the surface on all the things we need to do to really take control of our financial health. And I so wish I had done that sooner. I abdicated my responsibilities to my husband, which is great. He's awesome and it was wonderful, but it really kept me in the dark for a long time about where I stood financially, personally, but also in my business. I had a feeling like probably a lot of you do, which is, yeah, I don't want to, you know, that's complicated. I don't want to get into it. Someone else is looking after that. I don't need to look after that. But the truth is, I do need to look after my financial health because knowing the numbers allows me to make strategic choices in my business and not just run on luck. And the other thing I learned is kind of like watching a YouTube video to learn how to make a roast It seems complicated if you've never done it, but you watch the video and you're like, seriously, that's it? I got this. It's not that hard. You probably could tell by my choice of metaphor that I'm not a great cook, but I'm learning, right? We have this extra time at home that I've never had before. So I am learning and uh, remarkably improving, which is great. This idea of not having control of your life if you don't have control of your finances was brought home to me recently. I have a girlfriend in Los Angeles, and she was married a long time, wonderful guy. And he became ill. Uh, it was very slow, kind of dementia set in. Turns out he had done some really wild, crazy things with their money and she didn't know anything about it. So when things got serious and took a bad turn, it was too late for her to save herself. So after years of two people working and saving and having financial plan and owning a home, she lost everything. And I do mean everything. I know that's an extreme story. I know you're thinking, oh, come on. Don't try to scare us into paying attention to our finances. I think the point is life is dynamic and anything can happen. Look at the COVID experience, right? We don't know what life transitions are ahead of us, but if we do step up now and we take control of our financial life, it doesn't matter what life transitions are ahead of us. We're going to be okay. We will be able to navigate them without having to worry about money. Financial freedom is something they should teach us in school on day one. If you're deciding on a career, whatever it is, there should be also a conversation about how you're going to achieve that financial independence and freedom so you can make choices in your life. I think this topic is extremely important and Brad has a lot of great things to say. I'm biased, of course, but he also says there are three advisors that every interior design professional needs. One is a business coach. Thank you. That's good. I love that he sees our value at the top of that list. The second one is a CPA, a certified public accountant or bookkeeper. Very important. So many of you are thinking, I can't afford one. And I talk about this all the time. You can't afford not to have one. And the third one is a financial planner. That's something I didn't think I need early on. Because air quote, money wasn't the most important thing to me. Yeah, I know. I really had a backwards view. Uh, And the truth is, if it's not the most important thing to you, that's great. It shouldn't be. Health, family, all of those things are more important. But money, oh man, it frees up a lot of your headspace so you can enjoy those things. So a financial planner, no matter where you're at in your business, is a really good idea. Brad is a native of High Point, North Carolina, and you all know that's where the furniture markets are. He joined his family practice a decade ago, and he became a certified financial planner with a designation in behavioral financial advice. He's also certified as a grief recovery specialist, and I can imagine how that combination would be very comforting to someone who's going through something difficult like the story I described earlier. Brad is an independent thinker, driven by curiosity and a passion to have an impact on the lives of others. He's married to a creative pastry chef. I am so grateful I am not married to a pastry chef during this time. Can you imagine? Wow. But he and his wife enjoy exploring food and culture. Brad's passion is adventure travel and remote and beautiful places, so he and I share that. His firm, High Point Financial Design, has become a go-to for designers across the country who want to use their money as a tool to enrich their lives and pursue an abundant life. And abundance is something we can all agree is important. Let's check in with the woman who makes my life abundantly more rich every day, Cheryl Horn. Hey, Cheryl, how are you?
0: I'm doing good. How are you?
1: I'm good. I'm a little busy at the moment. Uh, Clients are asking me for a variety of things, you know, not the whole house top to bottom, but jobs that are really important to them right now that uh, are a little bit challenging to get done with uh, the rules of order suspended as they are. But anyway... That's the life of an interior design professional, right? Always hustling, always hustling. (laughs) What's happening at Business of Design? That's my happy place. That's where I go to be calm and relaxed.
0: Well, after that introduction to this episode, I'm sure you've already left our listeners wanting more. So we're happy to announce that Brad Klinard is going to be doing a webinar with us, and that's coming up on July 15th. Control Your Money, Control Your Life. It's going to be two hours, $195, and we're going to do a deep dive into your finances so you can take control and take the next steps.
1: Yes. Okay. So, in the webinar, we are going to talk about how to own and control your financial health, how to improve your built in money script, because we're all hardwired a certain way, and we got to get at the truth of that and let it go, move on, and replace it with something more powerful. We're going to talk about how to simplify your finances down to one page, but more importantly, what exactly is going to be on that one page and how often you are going to check that one page. And then we want every single person who attends the webinar to commit to a plan of action for today and for tomorrow. There will be a lot of territory to cover. We'd love to have you sign up $195. I will be on the webinar with Brad, of course, to offer color commentary and to learn the things I need to improve in my own business. As usual, you guys give so much to me. So thank you for that.
0: It is going to be a really full two hours. There is so much to cover. So full details are available on the website and registration is open. Uh, Of course, if you've got any questions, uh, shoot me an email, cheryl at businessofdesign.com. Otherwise, head over to the website to book your spot. Uh, And then coming up this week, we are in phase three of Business of Design's five-phase recovery program. So this week, we're going to talk about positioning, the ideal client and future for your business. So that's Wednesday, June 10th, one o'clock EST. For our monthly and annual members, we will see you on the call. Thanks, Kimberly. We'll talk to you soon.
1: Thank you, Cheryl. Have a wonderful week.
2: Welcome to the Business of Design podcast with Kimberly Selden. Business of Design is the coaching community for independent designers like you. We know it takes more than hard work and talent to successfully run a professional design firm. There are proven business strategies that can solve your immediate challenges and transform your life. Don't try to do this alone. Join today and you'll have access to more than 100 video courses, participate in monthly coaching calls, and find unlimited support within our exclusive members-only Facebook group. Unlike traditional coaching, BOD is a fast track to immediate results. For independent interior designers, decorators, architects, stagers, and landscapers just like you. Monthly membership is only $79. What are you waiting for? We all know design matters. At Business of Design, we think designers matter too.
1: Good morning, Brad. How are you today?
3: I'm doing well. How are you today, Kimberly? I'm
1: I'm fine. I'm curious. Here we are. It's uh, it's April, and you're in high point. It should be bustling. It should be crowded. There should be high heels and lipstick everywhere. But tell us, what is it like?
3: Well, it is, it is quiet. It's, um, it's a, a different time. I think this is only the, the second time in the last 100 years that market has been canceled. So um, I, I think everybody is uh, doing the right thing to uh, be social distancing and uh, the, the town is very excited for, for fall market. So we're looking forward to, to having um, people back hopefully in the fall.
1: What was the first time it was closed?
3: I believe it was in uh, for World War II. Wow.
1: I hadn't realized the history goes back that far. Isn't that amazing to come from a place that has that kind of history?
3: Yeah. It's, it's been a fun time to be in High Point. Um, there's so much revitalization and... Um, there's some of the projects, I know that they've, uh, like the old Tomlinson building, they're redoing that. And I know both my wife and my grandparents uh, worked in that building. So there is so much history throughout the town.
1: Very exciting. Um, so I am getting some drag. It's on my end, I'm sure. So I'm going to stop the video, um, but you will will continue to be able to hear each other. I think that will save on some of the wear and tear. <laughs> there we go.
3: There are a lot of people using Zoom these days, so I heard that Zoom has gone from they had um, 10 million monthly users to now over 200 million uh, people on it.
1: Every single person I know is thinking, why didn't I have stock in Zoom? Your portfolio would be doing quite well right now, I guess, if you did. And speaking of portfolios, Brad, we're going to talk to you about finances. And, of course, when we decided we were going to have this conversation, uh, the road ahead was all full of rainbows and puppies, and things have changed decidedly. But it occurs to me that, in fact, a solid financial basis for your business is evergreen. It shouldn't be something that is swayed by one set of circumstances or another. So let's talk first about what do we need to have if we're going to consider ourselves solidly financially secure?
3: Absolutely. Well, um, we first think it's about mindset. So uh, we like to say that if you're not in control of your money, you're not in control of your life. So to, to kind of put a little bit of perspective around this, I always like to introduce these conversations by saying there's three uh, components uh, or three keys uh, for interior designers to have uh, to find a financial uh, success. The first is the business coach, and that's where you come in. Second is the CPA or the bookkeeper, where they're focused on um, making sure the business side is profitable. And then we are kind of the third uh, leg of that stool, the financial planner. I like to call myself a financial designer, and we really help clients focus on creating a sustainable lifestyle and working towards being financially free in the future.
1: So I have 12 avenues I want to explore, but the first one is why are so many interior design professionals ill-prepared for an economic downturn like this? We are hearing hundreds thousands of stories of designers who don't even have a simple nest egg put aside. What about this industry in particular leaves us so ill-prepared?
3: Yes. Well, I I think there's a lot of things, uh, Kimberly, and that's a great question. So one of the things that we created was, it's called the designer's dozen, and it was a a dozen challenges that we found unique to the interior design community uh, that kind of prevents them from, Uh, Really taking steps towards becoming financially independent. Uh, We won't go through all of those today, but I do think a lot of it has to do with um, our industry. uh, The financial services industry has not done a good job of communicating well with individuals who do not think highly analytical. Uh, Most advisors by um, training are very spreadsheet uh, driven. We all know that there's a difference between Uh, right brain and left brain. Uh, My wife, for instance, uh, she is a classically trained pastry chef, uh, so she likes to do all the uh, creative things in the kitchen. Uh, But that sort of, I think, I came to helping designers because I had a unique background in both the economics, but also the psychology. So understanding that designers think about the world differently, that there's communications uh, challenges that a lot of professionals have communicating, um, that's kind of step one. Uh, Step two is I think a lot of times uh, we do like to think uh, what is happening today, and if we have a financial plan that's only based 30 years into the future, we aren't connecting it with how we're living our lives today. Um, So for us, uh, a key is making sure that we are organized, having everything on one page, uh, and having a financial plan that connects to where we are today Uh, I think those are a couple of the key first points.
1: Okay, so I can't let you skip over the dozen without hearing at least a couple of them. I'm assuming that the right brain, left brain uh, wiring is one of them. Um, You said that perhaps financial professionals haven't done a good job of speaking to us. I would say that our own education has done a terrible job of preparing us to run a business and be a profitable business owner. Is that one of the dirty dozen?
3: Well, n- not specifically, but I do think that financial literacy is very low. Um, they do say that um, uh, there's different reports that show that the average American, um, or 50% of America has less than $1,000 in savings. Um, so I think that we all become so overwhelmed with day-to-day life. We don't prioritize our finances, so then we become disorganized. Um, ironically, one of the designer dozens, and we created this um, over a year ago, one of them was that we were not, not ready for the next recession. So the other thing that we have done, and we we initially did this for Um, designers just getting started, but it was the 10 keys to a financial foundation. So Kimberly, let's just uh, imagine for a second that we're going into a a home. We want to buy a home and it's the first time we walk into this home and we walk uh, through. The living room is amazing. Uh, It has a beautiful outdoor space. It has a beautiful, all the bedrooms and the family rooms are laid out exactly how we want However, we we it, it's just the perfect house. But as we're going through the uh, the tour, we notice one thing is missing. There is no kitchen in this house, and I think that's uh, an analogy I've used for a lot of uh, designers is uh, just like we have to have the key uh, rooms in our house. There are keys to our financial foundation. Um, so these are things that people may not want to address. Oftentimes, that's why a designer may may hire a financial uh, professional, uh, but those those ten keys, and we won't go into detail. But they are being organized, having cash flow, uh, making sure that if we have debt, that it's managed properly. That we have the right insurance in place. That we're investing for the future. That uh, we are working closely with our CPA or tax professional uh, to make sure that we're minimizing taxes. Um, so there's a few others to that financial foundation. But my observation is a lot of people have not uh, taken the basic steps of taking ownership of saying my financial life is important, it's part of my overall health, and um, I think that is one benefit that we're seeing uh, to this um, uh, virus is it's, it's raising people's awareness of saying uh, my financial health does matter and I need to prioritize that.
1: It occurs to me as you're describing the home with no kitchen, I think it's a home without a roof and maybe without the exterior walls. I went to design school and a business class was an afterthought, when in fact, if you're going to be in business, you have an obligation to be profitable, to be healthy financially. So there is no house without that financial foundation. So somewhere along the line, there's been a massive fail. Wherever that is, I don't know. Maybe It's probably on 12 different fronts. Certainly as a female, I don't think my education included basic financial literacy. And I have had the experience of some professionals in the past, not so much now, trying to sort of keep me in the dark when I ask questions about my financial health. And so it's only been for me in the last 10 years that I've really advocated for myself and said, no, that isn't how I want my portfolio set up and this is why. So I think that's that's a really good analogy, but I would say it's not the kitchen so much as it's the roof and the exterior walls. You're in big trouble if you don't have this. And then the second part of it is I love what you say about the fact that this is this virus is really forcing the issue on everybody. And I had a talk with my two children and I said, I'm sorry to be that person who says, I told you so, but I've talked to you for years about starting to save money. And neither one of them really have the savings they need. Right now. And I'm like, this is why. And so both of them had said they're totally going to start saving now, but it took this crisis to get them to kind of wake up. So maybe there's some good that's going to come out of this in terms of people taking responsibility for their financial health.
3: Yes. So we like to keep budgeting very simple. And it's, I think sometimes people think of a budget as like a four letter word. Uh, to be avoided, we try to keep it very simple. And I really like the 50-30-20 method. That means that 50% of our expenses go to essentials, and that would be things like our our home, our car, uh, basic food. 30% goes to lifestyle, and I think that that 30% should be uh, funded by things that we're very passionate about or things that we highly value, and 20% towards savings, And a lot of people say, well, that's unrealistic. To me, it's a target that we're working towards. And there's also a time of feast and famine. And what we find is if we have been diligently saving that 20% target, when these uh, times inevitably come of of downturns, then we don't have some of that extra stress. And Kimberly, one thing that I really wanted to highlight was I think listening to some of your past uh, um, podcasts you're so um, vulnerable in sharing the the financial challenges you had early in your career, the lessons you learned. And I think it is something that people um, develop a, a greater sense of the importance of financial foundations as they get older. Uh, to, to me, it's the most important thing is to keep a, an abundant mindset. And that's why I really love your idea of of working towards a, a million dollar practice that that's just a concept that I love is even in the midst of these challenges we're facing, how can we think more abundantly?
1: Right. And you know, what we, what we think, what we believe in our subconscious is what we often realize. And so there is a real gap if we think, and I'll just speak for myself. I felt like my financial health, the financial health of my business was at the whim of whoever phoned my office. In other words, I thought that, you know, it was, it was more like the tail leading the dog instead of me saying, wait a minute, no, I can decide which clients I want to work with. I can decide what my fees are. I can decide how many jobs I take. And the big eye, eye opener for me in the last 10 years is I've had the fewest number of jobs, but the highest profitability. So i do think we do ourselves a disservice when we stick our heads in the sand and don't look at this closely. And I also wonder, Brad, if you've had this observation as well. So many of the Business of Design members we know are in a married or partner relationship And frequently, the partner has a more steady job, let's say, more of a corporate nine-to-five salaried position, and therefore, the design professional sees his or her income as extra rather than a fundamental opportunity for wealth.
3: Yes. So, I think that um, that was one of, actually, one of the designer's uh, dozens is that the spouse manages the finances. And I think that that was, um, it's very much a, a cultural thing and it's also a generational thing. Uh, there are a lot of, um, historically, you've had a lot of situations where the husbands have been the uh, primary uh, breadwinner and they have controlled the finances. There are a lot of situations where uh, women were not um, allowed to, to know about the financial situation. I find that to be a, a very unacceptable uh, thing. I, I think, from an interior design perspective, the question is: Are we running a hobby or are we running a business? If we're running a hobby, let's let's call it a hobby, and there's nothing wrong with that. But if we're running a business, then part of the business uh, requires uh, financial literacy and. Um, and I think in a, in a relationship, it is one of the things, and um, eventually we'll talk about transitions, I hope, in our conversation. But to me, one of the most devastating things uh, is transitioning through either death or divorce. And a lot of the uh, women that I work with that have recently been uh, widowed or divorced, if they have not had an understanding about their finances, they said, well, my husband always did this for me they have the most challenges uh, to navigate through those moments. So to yeah. me, it's being about prepared. It's about a partnership. Um, and it's, it's about not having something as important in, in, as our finances uh, completely in the dark.
1: Wow, I yeah, I can't imagine how stressful that would be to go through a divorce or the loss of a spouse and, and realize I didn't know where things were or have my hand on everything. So let's assume we're all starting at ground zero, Brad. This is the first day of our business because whatever's happened in the past is over. We can't change the past, but this is the very first day of business. What are the things we're going to do starting now to ensure we have a stable financial foundation? beneath our feet going forward?
3: Well, my focus is more on the personal side than the business side. I, I do think really uh, number one is, is self-awareness. I think um, knowing where your uh, cash flow is, knowing how much money you have in the bank, uh, being uh, very focused on your um, only spending money on things that are important, I think those are, uh, those are really important things to, to start with.
1: How do you do that? Is that just a simple matter of looking at your QuickBooks leisure every month and ticking off some specific questions? or is it a phone call each month with your financial planner? What's the best way to to get a hold of that right this minute?
3: So for us, again, on the personal side, not the the business side, but on the personal side, we like to focus on getting everything on one page. Uh, And so what that means, and um, I'll be glad to to share, um, we we have like a a format that we use for clients, but uh, I want to see all the clients' uh, assets on one page uh, that allow, and all their liabilities, so any debt outstanding. I want to see really anything related to the financial life. So if it's, uh, if they have life insurance, if they have annuities, um, and, and then also really wanting to understand what we're working towards in the future. But I think a lot of people don't have everything on, on one page. And that's where we've really uh, focused on, on that for step one.
1: That is really smart, I will say, because my eyes gloss over sometimes. I go to meetings with my financial planner and there's a 28-page glossy report on the table. And I'm like, seriously, show me the page I need. Like, I don't want to look at how, I don't want to look at all that stuff, which doesn't make me illiterate, but I like what you're saying, like, get it onto one page so it's super manageable. Okay, we can do that.
3: And I think I think we break things down into um, uh, financial headaches. These are things that need to be addressed to reduce stress in our life and financial opportunities. Those are things that we want to work towards. Or take advantage to improve our situation in the future. And there's something powerful about having it all on one page. Uh, we can create actionable steps from that. We can clearly see what's where any gaps are.
1: Very good. Okay, so the first thing is self-awareness. It's cash flow, it's expenses, um, it's insurance, it's annuities, it's retained earnings, it's all that on one page. So at a glance, you can do a check-in any month you want. doesn't have to be once a year when your accountant gives you back your books.
3: So for couples, if, if we're in the home and let's say that we have not had conversations with our spouse in a, a long time, uh, one little detail, uh, a lot of people wait until the weekend. So uh, they say, well, we're going to talk about our finances this Saturday, this Sunday. To me, it's a bad recipe. So we always encourage clients, uh, once they have everything on one page, uh, if if you're in a short-term issue where you're not healthy, we recommend once per month. If you are in a, a better healthy environment, we recommend once per quarter. Uh, and we recommend a family meeting. I always try to encourage clients to do that on a Tuesday or a Wednesday uh, because for a lot of couples, finances is stressful. So let's not have that conversation on a, on a, a high important family time. Let's have it on a Tuesday or a Wednesday uh, get that meeting out of the way. Keep it to under an hour. It also means that we're not having fractured uh, financial conversations. We have a structure for when we're discussing it. I know a lot of uh, families, if they're under financial stress, it becomes a they never address the topics completely, so that the conversations are fractured, and that can create a lot of stress in the relationship.
1: Money well spent is a financial planner who could do those meetings with you once a month or. Uh, once a quarter, depending on what your needs are, because I find I have completely different questions than my husband does. Our brains work totally different ways. And if we were to sit together alone, I'm not sure we would come to smart conclusions as quickly as we do when we have somebody there that we trust who can say, oh no, 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 here's what she means. Here's what he means. Here's what I think you should do. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So the first thing you said was self-awareness. What comes after that?
3: So we want to know ourselves. We want to get organized, and then we want a financial plan. After that, I do think it's important to start uh, investing in the future and investing in yourself. Um, one thing that I will share about um, investing in in yourself is, uh, and this is part of that self awareness and knowledge. But in the midst of a a crisis like we're in now, we always want to make sure that our finances are for um, financial purposes. And not to fill emotional voids in our life. So uh, we just wrote an article about for clients about why it's painful when their investments are down. And I think it comes back to we've, we've too much, we've tied our sense um, uh, of safety to money. So as humans, we all have three common desires, and that's to feel loved, to have a sense of belonging, and to have a sense of safety. And when when all of our sense of safety is tied to our our finances and our money, then when the investments go down, we feel like that's um, uh, attacked or we feel (laughs) like there's a void. And so we want to make sure that we continue to have our sense of agency. Agency is when we feel like we're in control of our life. And that's where I think uh, when we're really investing for the future, uh, then we can uh, focus on things that are in our control. And hope uh, a few, uh, a sense that the future is is brighter than today.
1: And if we are starting at zero, Brad, and you've dealt with so many interior design firms, and I'm sure you've seen the firms that are making, you know, profit, I'm talking about profit, are bringing in 20000 a year, and then the firms that are bringing in $100,000 a year. What would you say in both cases they need to think about in terms of investing in the future? Like, what can you do if you're really just starting out to transform your relationship with investing in the future?
3: Yeah, well, I think the key is to get started. There's kind of a thought experiment. Um, So if I was to ask you, Kimberly, if I could give you um, one penny a day that doubles for a whole month or (laughs) two and a half million dollars, which one would you choose?
1: Ooh. I'm tempted to just take the two and a half million because that sounds fun, but I bet you're going to tell me the penny is a better bet.
3: Well, of course, it's a little bit of a setup. So there's a a trick to this. The question is, is it February with 28 days or do do we have 31 days? But if we take that penny and we compound it over the course of a month, and let's assume it's 31 day month, uh, a penny on day two is two pennies, on day three is four pennies, By the end of the month, that doubling penny would be over $10 million. So neither answer would have been bad, but that's the the magic of compounding interest. So what we know is um, that investing is a little bit scary. I, I think back to Warren Buffett, he said, be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful. Naturally, I think that that fear is what prevents a lot of people from starting uh, to take decisions to invest. And I'm the first to say there there are thousands of ways to be successful as investing. That the key is to get started and to find an investment strategy that that is um, something that you can stick to uh, through the ups and the downs of the market.
1: And it's worth it to make sacrifices to invest that money. Short-term sacrifices are okay in order to reach those goals, right? And I think a lot of us are looking at expenses right now with this pandemic going on and saying, wait a minute, all that stuff I'm spending money on doesn't seem so important right now. I wish I had put that in the bank.
3: Well, and we can actually uh, quantify that, Kimberly. So a lot of people, and this is why we need to go back to the financial plan is uh, t- to me, money needs to have a purpose to it, and if we're just investing simply to grow more money, uh, then that's a little—it's not. Um, our, our brains are not going to uh, say that that's consistent with our values. But if we decide, you know, I want to work uh, really diligently and uh, be a, be the best interior designer I can be for the next fifteen years, and I want to retire. And then I don't want to have the the day to day stress of, of running my business. I want to have security in the future. Uh, maybe I'll reach a point where I'm not able to work. Uh, we can dis- we can mathematically determine how much we need to be investing and what type of rate of return we need to target. So with investing, we can be very conservative. If you leave the money uh, in the bank in cash. Uh, you're going to earn these days most likely 1% or lower, whereas over time, uh, there's different numbers quoted, but historically, the long-term average of stocks, it, people say, is between uh, 9 and 10% um, if we're in like large-cap U.S. Uh, stocks. So we have to find a balance somewhere where we have a blend of of buying some stock exposure, but also knowing that stocks go up and down a lot and that most individuals may not need 100% stocks, or they may want to diversify with other type of investments. And that's where having a very clearly established uh, investment plan in place uh, really comes in, into play. To me, when it comes to investing, I call it the, the scary stories. And uh, this has been the history of uh, investing is, um, you know, back in the 70s, it was the oil embargo, then we had Black Friday in the '80s. Um, I'm sure, uh, Kimberly, you remember uh, Y2K. Oh yeah. Oops. We we all we all thought that the computers were going to stop the next day, uh, and that the world was going to shut down. We entered the tech bubble. Then we had the housing crisis. So what what I, what we look at the the arc of history is that the uh, the entrepreneurial spirit always gets us back towards growth. To me, it's it's an investment in the human spirit that the, the future is bright, the future is better than today. Um, and so, we have to have that, that hope that, yes, this coronavirus, the story is different this time. It feels very scary, but it doesn't mean that we stop investing in ourselves and investing in the future.
1: Very well said. Brad, we like to end every show with design intervention. It's a word of wisdom or an idea or a concept you think would be really helpful to everyone listening?
3: Wow, Kimberly, that's a a big ask in in one word. Um, I always go back to uh, Joseph Campbell. Uh, He said, follow your bliss. Um, He's one of my personal heroes. A lot of people don't know he was also um, George Lucas's mentor. Uh, So George Lucas used his concept of the hero's journey. Uh, so the hero's journey is the idea that we are all uh, here to to serve profoundly to other people. I, I know you talk about uh, Jedi mantras. That's kind of mine. So follow your bliss. It's three little words. Uh, follow. It means you must take action. Your, it can't be anybody else's and bliss. It's that thing that sparks joy in your, in your soul. And to me, uh, both in our personal life and in our business, If we can follow our bliss, uh, I think uh, good things will happen.
1: Well, I hope good things are going to continue to happen to you uh, personally and professionally. And thank you so much for everything you do for the industry. We're very grateful.
3: Well, and I I look forward to hopefully I'll be able to see you again uh, this fall in High Point Market and wish you many blessings.
2: Thank you for being a part of the Business of Design community. If you love what you hear on the podcast, take the next step by signing up at businessofdesign.com. As our thank you, you'll gain access to Business of Design's 15-step project management strategy, a free introductory course which includes three Business of Design systems you can implement for immediate results. And when you're ready for success, a Business of Design membership, monthly or annual, will dramatically improve your business and your life. What are you waiting for? Together, we will achieve extraordinary results. Start today.